Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. We are on to episode 46. And uh, my name is Dwayne Osterland, and I'm your host. And I'm also the founder of Novus Mindful Life Institute Family Counseling Recovery Center in Long Beach, California. If you or someone you know is struggling with any of life's difficulties, please reach out to us. You can find out more information at theaddictedmind.com forward slash help. On this episode, we have Marla Berger, and she's going to talk about equine therapy, which is a therapy using horses. And I have a particular affinity to this because I had quite an experience with equine therapy myself. And um, I'm going to share a little bit about that in the interview. And um, I'll also include, I mentioned some photographs that I had of that experience, and I'll put that in the show notes as well. So you can be able to check that out. That'll be at theaddictedmind.com forward slash 46. Before we start, I just want to remind you that if you're enjoying the Addicted Mind podcast, please go to iTunes and rate and review us. That really does help us a lot. And it helps get this information out to people that might want it and might benefit from it. So for all the people that have done that, thank you so much. It means a lot to me. All right, let's start this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. Today, my guest is Marla Berger, and she's going to talk about equine therapy. Marla, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Marla Berger. I'm located in South Florida in Broward County at Coconut in Coconut Creek, and I'm a licensed mental health counselor, a registered art therapist, advanced certified in EGALA, which is the Equine Assisted Growth and Learning Association model. And I'm also a PATH certified therapeutic writing instructor and also 
provide other uh, experiential therapies like sand tray therapy and play therapy techniques. Awesome. Thank you. So today we're going to talk about equine therapy. Yeah. Let's, and when people hear, hear that word, some people don't even know what that, that means. So can you tell us a little bit about, about that? And Absolutely. So after about World War One, they started realizing that working with horses was vastly therapeutic, mostly on the physical therapy level. And so there's been a lot of interest over the past hundred plus years on how horses can physically help people. Um, and that is one of the certifications that I have, which is PATH International, which is the Professional Association of Therapeutic Horsemanship. And they've been around for a very long time. And they focus on therapeutic riding, as well as another subset, which is called hippotherapy, which is literally physical therapy, occupational therapy, or speech therapy on horseback. That's not my certification. I'm none of those. And they also look at using horses and partnering with them to provide mental health services. And that's typically either called equine-assisted psychotherapy or equine-facilitated psychotherapy. And so my certifications allow for both that therapeutic riding component, which helps with some of that that physical and intellectual um, support, but also with that mental health process, which is equine-assisted psychotherapy, as well as equine-assisted learning, which is a lot about teamwork. Okay. Tell me a little bit about how this helps somebody. When they, when they kind of come in and do a session, are they just riding the horse or what, what's, what's kind of going on? What's special about this? Absolutely. So the certification that I typically use with my clients, especially my clients who are dealing with addiction and other mental health issues and family relationships and adoption issues and all the kind of the whole course of why I see clients um, for a mental health issue is that we all do, we do the services on the ground. So the horses are interacting at liberty, meaning they can move away or come closer at will. And so that actually allows for a real representation of what is happening in that client's world in this moment. So we often know that we can walk in and we go, oh yeah, I'm fine. Everything's going great. I'm really following through. I've really made some amazing changes into my life. And a lot of time we're actually just talking the talk and we kind of think we've done a lot of stuff that's been very effective, but We're not really walking the walk. And what happens is, is that the horses kind of bring all of that out inside of us. And so some really amazing examples would be one of my clients came into a substance abuse group and it was all women that day. And they decided that the most helpful thing to work on was some of those things that they keep, that they hold on to, those things that they just hold on to that aren't really healthy for them. And so they put them inside of a basket. And um, then we threw some carrots inside of a basket along with their pieces of paper that they'd written on. And we said, you're, you're going to need to make sure that the donkeys don't eat this. And we actually had some donkeys out that day. And um, the amazing thing was is that, that one of the donkeys stood over this woman's basket and never went inside of it. And she finally turned to me and she goes, I know exactly why this, this donkey's doing this. It's, it's that I, I need... I'm hiding something and I need to I need to deal with it. Fast forward about a year after that treatment episode, she had actually relapsed and came back into treatment. I got to see her again. And she said, I was I was actually really hiding something. I know I had alluded to that last time I was here, but that donkey really knew that I was hiding fifteen hundred dollars in my shoe and I was ready to leave. And that was that like aha moment, like, oh my God. I mean, I didn't 
And I certainly did not train a donkey not to go for carrots. In fact, that's kind of in their nature. Right, right. <laughs> and so there's no training involved, but these animals are just doing things that are correct for them. And um, the most amazing thing is, is that a relationship with a horse so closely follows a relationship with a human being. And so that's love, mutual respect and understanding, good communication, boundaries, all of these things come out with the horses. And so all of these things start to get triggered when they're here. And so while a client might say, oh, I have excellent boundaries, the next thing I know, the horse is practically trying to crawl inside their skin and they're going, oh, no, no, it's okay, it's okay. Well, so tell me more about what's up. What's going on right now? And they realize that very slowly they haven't actually set very good boundaries sometimes with friends or family, or they, they want to focus on others instead of focusing on themselves while they're in treatment. So the horse uh, or the donkey kind of helps helps them, has some intuitiveness to be able to uh, kind of anticipate what somebody's feeling. Absolutely. They're, they're fight or flight animals. So these are prey animals. And so they have to be completely in tune with their environment. And if internally we are disorganized, distrustful, those animals are going, wait a moment, there must be something really scary or something wrong in my environment. So I'm not going to be comfortable. And so they might try and push them out of the way. They might even try and place themselves in between us and them, or they might just try and leave the situation as quickly as possible and stay far away. And so we've literally had clients where they try and get close to our equine and the equine will literally go to the exact opposite of the field. I had a great experience with a client who came in and he kept telling me, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And we knew that he wasn't fine. His shoulders were up to his ears. He was just, he was a mess, but he wouldn't share anything. And so we just said, oh, okay, so tell us what's going on. We noticed the horses all the way at the other end of the paddock and you know, what, what, what's happening? What's happening? And finally, he just said, I'm just really mad today. And I'm not really sure how that horse got from one side of the paddock to the other. Because that moment that that client actually said what was really happening, his head was right over the client's shoulder. And he was just kind of standing right with him and just being in solidarity with that client in that moment. And I don't even know where he came from. Um, but he knew at that moment that now he was the safe space. Now he needed um, that support. And so I don't want to sound too woo-woo um, with this, but it, there really is something very, very magical about how these horses interact. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And you're, you're definitely not sounding woo-woo because I have, to, I have to share my own experience with this, which, which blew me away. I had gone to, uh, they had a, a retreat for therapists at a, at a treatment agency and they had equine therapy there. Yeah. And when I was younger, I had some really bad experiences with horses. And so I really didn't like them. But this was part of the, they're showing, the the treatment agency was showing all the services they do. So they were going to do a, a session of equine therapy. And I'm like, okay, I, I can tolerate this. I'll, I'll just do it. 
And we went there and it, it was it was way more activating for me than than I had mm-hmm. thought than I thought it would be. Yeah. And uh so I went in there and um I don't know, one of these horses, it must have known that I was, you know, I was kind of terrified because it was bringing back all this trauma about horses from my from my youth. And um, it it actually, the horse laid down on its side, lay completely, completely flat on its side and uh, allowed me to just come up come up to it and and touch it on the face. It was completely like on the ground, like got and just laid down in front of me. I don't, it was so. That's amazing. It was amazing. So I, I you're not sounding woo woo because I've experienced <laughs> it firsthand, and it was a profound. Yeah. It it was a profound experience for me because I after that it just was like that fear evaporated. I don't know how to how to say it, and it's just like oh, and really kind of was able to realize some deeper things that were actually going on for me. Yeah. But it, it was the conduit to kind of understanding some deeper issues that for me personally I was struggling with. But I don't know. That horse knew it. I actually have some. I have some pictures. I'll put them on the. Yay. I'll put them on the show notes <laughs> so you can see. But it was pretty amazing. So tell me a little bit, like how that works, or what's going on in that moment, or because it was really profound for me. I have to say. So the amazing part about equine assisted psychotherapy is that I don't ascribe any meaning to what's happening. It's up to the client, and that allowing them to create their own metaphor for what's happening is really the most helpful. So it takes me out of the equation. It's completely the client's language. And so it's um, it's a technique called the clean language approach, which is by David Grove. And uh, he has since died. And there's three people who've followed through with teaching people. And so our, the Gala model, which I follow, which is uses the clean language approach. So that means I'm not putting any meaning into what's happening until a client tells me what the meaning is. And that allows the metaphor to be guided by them. And so in that moment, when that client's donkey was standing over the basket, we didn't say, oh, you must be hiding something because the donkey's covering up those things in your life that are barriers. No, no, no. It was, tell us what's happening. What's up with this? And and it wasn't really ever the donkey. It was, that's me hiding things. And so that made such a a profound personal journey for that client because it was them and it was what they were doing. And so you you won't even hear sometimes I'll say things like a horse, the donkey or anything like that. We'll just say, so what's up right now? Tell us what's happening. And and sometimes our, our, our language gets even weirder. We might just gesture, what's this? Or, huh, Right, right. (laughs) Which is a little weird to describe. And yet in the moment, clients really get it. They go, Oh yeah, well, this, 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 and this and this are happening for me right now. And it and this is what this represents. And that's the most amazing part of this is that it really takes the clinician out of it. And um, when you talk about a team approach, which is what eGala model um, services are, is an equine specialist who knows their horses inside and out and a mental health practitioner. And so that allows us to kind of keep our stuff out. And that team says to each other, ooh, ooh, that's our interpretation. Like stay away from the, the dark side on that one. Like let's bring it back to the client. What is it? And what's actually happening with the horses right now? And a lot of times, especially when we're working with clients who are in recovery and, 
And in early recovery, it's so easy to seek a lot of gratification. Oh, this is so fun. I'm going to go take selfies. And then what they're noticing is that the horses are interacting with them on a very superficial level. And they're like, well, but I really want this meaningful experience. And it's like, so what have you done to create that meaningful experience? And they realize that they've just taken selfies and kind of used the relationship for their benefit as opposed to actually investing in the relationship. And once they start doing that, they just realize how much they often do that in their life and in their relationships. And then how does that translate to home, to friends, to family, to working with your sponsor so that it's so much more deep and meaningful to them? So it really, it creates uh, like a metaphor for this to kind of take place with this relationship with the horse and the interaction. And like you said, the horses are so intuitive that they're able to kind of get to their deeper issues, I guess, through that process. Yes. And, and, and like you said, it absolutely happens irregardless. Now, I have so many years of horse experience. If I needed to move a horse, I can move a horse. And I was at a training and I volunteered to be the client. And they said, well, come up with a professional goal to work on so that we're not getting deep or anything. And I said, okay, well, my goal is to build my private practice bigger. And so they said, okay, so create a representation of making your private practice bigger. I said, no problem. And I created this uh, like a thing out of swim noodles and stuff on the ground. And they said, all right, invite one of the horses into, you know, your private practice that is bigger now. I said, no problem. And I went for the horse that was just stunning. Now, funny enough, these horses were actually identical in in many ways because of the breed it was. It was um, Norwegian Fjord, which are these this beautiful golden color. And then their mane and tail are very unusual. It's black and then it's got a stripe of white through it. So logistically, the horses were completely identical because they all look the same way. Golden with a black mane and stripe, a white stripe of white. But of course, I went for the big sexy one who is just very Fabio. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> because of course, right? Right, yeah. Um, and immediately that horse walked away from me and started scraping his teeth on a door to get out of the arena. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 you want to be with me. Come on, Fabio. Come on, big sexy, you know? Right, right. Don't you want to work on this with me? You're going to help me create this amazing private practice. And his teeth were just scraping and scraping. And I realized that's exactly what I do in my life is go for the big sexy thing that A, is probably not very healthy for me. (laughs) And B, might literally be more than what I actually need. And so I turned to the, the little mare who was a little scruffy, but again, almost identical. And I just put my hand on her cheek and she just walked straight with me, step for step in pace with me. And I realized in that moment, like, wow, this stuff works, you know? <laughs> right. Well, that was, yeah. I And I totally relate because that was my experience as well. It was just like, I, I kind of was a little skeptical when I went in and, you know, okay, horses, whatever. And uh, it really was profound, that shift because it, for whatever reason, you kind of get right to your stuff and it's right there in front of you. And and I don't know how these horses know it, but, you know, when we did it, we also did it as, um, it was individual, but we also did it as a, as a team as well. So there were like, I think there were like six of us. And so we had, they said, okay, create something for the horses to, to get over. Not big, nothing big. And then it was, we went through it and and it was also about the team and how people related to the horse and who was doing what. And it was very experiential 
in the moment happening right then and there. And and I bet in that moment, as with every experiential I've participated in, both as a client or as a facilitator, everything comes out right away. Who's a leader? Who's the kind of that stands on the outside but tells everyone what to do but doesn't actually interact? Um, who's the one who's walking away? Who's the distractor? Who's zoning out? <laughs> who's right. who's the clown? You know, and all of that comes out in that moment. And you're thinking, wow. We haven't even had them do anything. It's like, hey guys, so the first thing you're going to do is create an obstacle for these horses and all of a sudden everything just comes out. And that I think is is part of the reason that experiential therapies work. So art therapy, play therapy, sand tray therapy, equine assisted psychotherapy, music therapy, psychodrama, because our stuff comes out when we do something. So once we can move past all those defenses. And believe me, people try and talk themselves out of why they did things. Oh, no, no, it was, I wanted everyone else to take, uh, to take the forefront. I wanted to just sit in the back and let them shine today. Right. Yeah. How right. else is that happening, you know, in your life and in your recovery? Oh, yeah, well, that's true. I kind of just, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I never do it. Yes, yes, we noticed. Um, <laughs> it does. It's pretty amazing how how that works too. And and in the moment, because I, I remember going in, I was determined not to interact with the horses, and they weren't going to interact with me. Yeah, but that didn't work. I just it just kind of happened. I didn't fight it too much. I mean, doing being a therapist, I kind of realized that this stuff is here and and stuff. So I, I was a little more open to it, I think, but. But at the same time, it kind of it it kind of took its own course, I guess. So I have one more question. So tell me tell me a little bit about how you know a lot of treatment centers incorporate uh, equine therapy into their program. So can you kind of tell me a little bit like how that helps them? Sure. So the most important thing that I see in in service is that. Insight alone does not mean people change. I've found that out both personally, but also professionally. And so we can have amazing insight into why we do something and we can never change it. And so when we do experiential therapies and especially equine assisted psychotherapy, all of this comes out right away. And so being able to see it and then in the moment say, let me try something different. You know how my therapist has been trying to talk with me about using some coping skills or dealing with frustration in this moment when I am frustrated in a very low risk situation, because this is not real life. This is you know, not a job application. This is not me fighting with my family. I'm going to give it a try. And I'm going to see if this frustration skill works. I'm going to see if this coping skill works. And I'm going to try, in fact, instead of doing all of my old behaviors to try something new. I'm going to, instead of push a relationship away, bring one in and be able to be okay with the good and the bad of feeling that relationship. And so that's really the magic and the power of using an equine-assisted psychotherapy model is that we can actually experience those things and try them out in real time and then see how that works, all in a very low-risk, safe, low safe-feeling setting. And to know if something is an ethical a program, really what you're going to look for is a few different models that, you know, have been around for a lot longer and are just a bit more higher on the ethics standard. So we would look for EGALA or for PATH International. There's also a few others that are been around a while and they typically require a licensed clinician and an equine specialist. And so those are things that people should definitely look for 
to make sure that that's something that their program is aligning with another program that provides equine assisted psychotherapy or equine facilitated psychotherapy. Right. So there's something more than you're not just being with the horse. There's some guidance there. There's a setup. What does, can you kind of describe like what a session might look like to a client? How would they start? How would they come in? Yeah. Kind of what would happen and how would it go? It does vary, of course. If this is a one-time only program, I might have a, a few ideas set up ahead of time that I've discussed with the facility. But typically what I do is I greet our clients, I find out what's been going on for them recently. And then I take a five-minute break and with my equine specialist decide what type of activity is most helpful. Now, a lot of programs, they've actually predetermined that because maybe they've talked with the treatment team or there's a prescribed set of services that they provide. It kind of just depends. But I like to go in and and actually create something topical for the clients that particular moment. And so sometimes on the way over, they'll, they'll realize that they have not talked to each other for the past half hour and they've sat on their phones and they've distanced themselves from a relationship and they realize we didn't even do anything to join together. And I see that pattern happening in my life. And so what we would do is an activity where they would work on relationship. And some activities are about observing um, so that we can start to see patterns and assign metaphor to them. Others are about connecting. Um, Others are about that movement of like what you experienced was to get the horse from one side to the other. And so we might be talking about some of those obstacles or barriers in our life. And then how do we go through that? What skills or what supports do we need to actually get that done? And so kind of depends on the activity and what's actually happening in the community. But those are the typical things that people do is look, create metaphor, or they work on relationship and what does that look like? Or we start to talk about movement through or over. Okay, so they kind of can use this as a tool to kind of see that process and Mm -hmm. the horse responds to them kind of matching their own affect in some way or challenging their affect, which creates more, um, I imagine kind of more discomfort. I don't know if discomfort's right or maybe comfort because me, it was comfort. So creates something different that's going on and kind (laughs) of moves the client through that process. Exactly. And so whatever is happening, it, it could be processed. We had a, a client who came in and said, my kids love me. They're, they're so proud of me for being in this treatment center. And they're just, they're just so thrilled. And so then she walked over to the horse. And, and as she was stroking the horse on its shoulder, every time that hand went from her shoulder down, her shoulder down, the horse would turn the head. And literally her teeth were out every single time. Now we knew that horse, we knew that the client was safe and the horse wasn't going to bite her, but it sure looked like she was. And that client was oblivious. So we were saying, oh, so we're noticing this pattern, which is three times or more. Every time your hand goes down, teeth come out. And she started saying, well, my kids did cut me off. They're, they're really angry that I relapsed this last time. So they're not, they're not talking to me anymore. Oh, okay. So tell us more. And all of a sudden we were able to have a real conversation. And once she became real, that behavior stopped in that horse. She was able to have a real relationship with that horse, which was filled with uh, not just using the horse for her own comfort, but actually being in a relationship. So the horse was also receiving comfort in response to that. So it was really, really neat. So does it enable them to kind of, I guess, 
tune into each other, the horse and the client, they can kind of tune together. That would be ideal. Absolutely. But again, sometimes that doesn't happen and people aren't very attuned to what's happening in their life. And so that's stuff that we can then process. So really wanting the relationship to look like how you want it to work. How does that relate to the rest of your life? Right. And all of a sudden, all of these metaphors start happening. And and typically, though, at that moment, you know, and a lot of clients had the experience that I had, which chasing that big sexy that, oh, I really want to work with this horse. And yet that horse isn't really like the healthy one for them. And they're very open with that. Oh, that's my ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend, my ex-wife. This is me when I'm on a bender. Oh, okay. So tell us what's up with you chasing the one that you've decided is not the right one to chase but you're still doing it. Right. Oh, wait, this is what I do in my life. Oh, okay, so who here actually might be one that you could have a relationship with. And then they start to be able to problem solve a bit more. What does healthy and unhealthy look like? All of these things, which is really neat. And this usually, can you kind of paint a picture of like where this, does this take place? Do they, do you do it in a field? Do you do it right. in a, I don't know what, what are those? Uh, like a paddock or? A, I guess a paddock. I don't know what, the, yeah. I was going to say a barn, but that's not the right, the right word, be. but like a paddock. Yeah. Um, so the best practice is for the horse to be loose so that they can move away or come closer of their own accord. So depending on the size of the horses, the amount of people that are there, how many horses are there, it depends on how big of an area you would need. So we have horses, uh, we have 13 equine on the, on the property, and we have nine miniature horses or miniature UK Shetland ponies, two miniature donkeys, and then two large horses. So we could have most of actually the minis in a pretty small paddock that has a big tree because they they're small right right intrinsically and we could have maybe 10 to 12 clients within that and we might then decrease the number of horses as the number of clients increases sometimes though of course we have bad weather and so when we have bad weather maybe we might be under a large patio so we might only have one maybe two horses and those horses may or may not be um, held um, with a halter and lead rope during that time Maybe they're not, depending on what it is. Maybe we talk about, well, it's raining outside. Who's coming in? And what do we need to do to change ourselves so that we would be a a space that they would feel safe in? Other times we might um, go to our cross ties, which is kind of like two posts with um, ropes attached so that the horse would stand in between those two posts. And we might paint on the horse or groom the horse or do things where we're asking the horse to stay still. And typically we try and do those only during inclement weather days because it's a little bit different. Um, But what happens is we might bring the clients through all of the different types of grooming equipment and then really sit and think like, what does that represent in your life? How did the horse respond to each of those? How did you respond in relationship to that as well? And so it kind of gives them that time, that mindfulness experience as well. So the answer is it depends. And of course, each program is very different. Some programs only have a few horses. But we have horses pretty much from all size and shapes. We actually have two miniature horses with dwarfism, and one is only 24 inches at the shoulder. So most of the time when people say, I'm really afraid of horses, we'll say, well, we could probably find someone right. that would... who would be acceptable for you. And then if they're still really afraid, a lot of times that's really something about resistance um, to treatment. 
as opposed to actual fear because they've literally seen dogs that are bigger right. than some of our horses. <laughs> so you'll kind of knowing the client, you'll pick a horse that you think will help the client the most. Absolutely. So sometimes we know clients' behaviors and their and their patterns. And so we know that this client maybe doesn't handle frustration very well. And so we might throw in horses that upset the apple cart more often, like our, our two miniature donkeys who will pretty much get into anything. And so we give them those chaotic moments so that they can manage frustration during that time. And how do they manage frustration in real time when things just don't go according to plan? And, and that's a really fun metaphor to see that play out. Now, what's amazing is that we have no idea what's actually going to happen. Those are great ideas. But as evidenced by that story I told about the donkey who stood over that client's basket, he did everything we wouldn't expect him to do because that's what that client needed. And so we, we can say, oh, well, this is what we think will work today. But the horses really um, make that plan. So, so the horses kind of really decide what's going on. And oh, yeah. I guess, you know, they have the, like you said, they're fight or flight animals. So they have that attunement. They, they see their environment full some ways i guess different than than we see our own environment yeah and they're able to attune to that so absolutely are we a safe person i mean because if we are quote unquote fine on the outside but we are not fine on the inside they're really worried like well is there a panther i mean like what is there a bear you know what's the danger because there's something wrong when you're telling me something's wrong i have to go look for that so they can attune to that absolutely Yes, really, absolutely. really amazing. So Marla, I want to thank you so much for coming on to the Addicted Mind and kind of talking about this and allowing me to kind of share my experience a little bit and sharing your experience with with uh, equine therapy. I, I really appreciate it. Anything you want to add or you think is important to know about equine therapy that we haven't we haven't touched on or well if anyone's interested in learning more or you're really interested in becoming certified but you don't quite know which one to go with, definitely just give me a call. Um, you can go to my website, which is burgercounselingservices.com. And actually once a month in South Florida, I hold monthly networking and demonstration with free CEUs to get people to come on out and actually experience it for themselves. And all of that's listed on my website. Awesome. And I, what I'll do is I'll put that all in the show notes as well. So anybody listening, they can they can get those from the show notes and I'll have all the links to that and everything that. Marla, thank you so much for coming on and being a guest on The Addicted Mind. Happy to help. Thank you so much. All right, everybody, thank you for listening to the Addictive Mind podcast. All the show notes will be at theaddictivemind.com forward slash 46. Also, a gentle reminder, if you like, you can join our private Facebook group at the Addicted Mind podcast. Just search for that on Facebook and click to join. It would be great to have you there. So if that's something that interests you, please check it out. Okay, everybody, have a wonderful day and I will see you next week. Bye-bye.
I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how-tos for navigating all the things sober, from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories, and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.